a way maker in a way when it seems to be no way you know that's a, that's a phenomenal song they got God really led them right down to a Red Sea when it seemed like there was no way but he was making a way a way that only his people could walk because he opened the sea up and when they got across he just closed it back up again for them and separated them from their enemy that's what God can do as a way maker, when it seems like we can't go forward and we can't outrun the problems, we just trust in Him. Say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Let Him take you forward. He'll, he'll, he'll give you an overcoming victory. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together, if you would. Thank you to the musicians. We'll turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Very familiar portion of Scripture, I believe, to everybody. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just gathered here on a Wednesday night. Some are gathered here present, some in their homes. The Lord, some perhaps have been slow today, some have been busy, some from different walks of life than others. Lord, different forms of work, different people we interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. But Lord, we come now by one Spirit, Lord. Father, not to come and bring different things, but bring our little licks of fire together. Lord, that we could come in one mind and in one accord. Lord, that you would come and speak to us, Lord. Father, we've welcomed you, Lord, and we've sung songs of worship and of praise. We've set our minds upon you, Lord. We've set our hearts toward you to ask, Lord, what would you have for us would you make a way for us tonight, Lord, that we could come into your presence, Lord? For you said in your word, wherever two or three would be gathered, you would be there in the midst of them, Lord. Furthermore, you said if we draw nigh unto you, you would draw nigh unto us, Father. And Lord, that is the infallible word of God. The Lord, that is words that don't fail. Our words will truly fail. Our words maybe don't have or definitely don't have any eternal value. But Lord, yours are eternal. Lord, they do not fail, Lord. And I thank you that we can put our trust and our faith in that, Lord. I pray you'd come. Just help me to get myself aside. Lord, just help me, Lord, that your word would speak freely from these lips, Lord. And I lay myself down, Lord, at your feet, that you would have the preeminences in the service. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats if you would like. If you also keep your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 11, maybe just turn over. If you would, we'll start again at verse 31. But I just want to make notice of this, that this is what Paul, as he begins to write in the Hebrews in this chapter, he says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And he says, for by it the elders obtained a good report. In other words, it wasn't by something else. It wasn't by uh, some great amount of knowledge or by some um, impeccable life that the elders obtained a good report. But it was by faith. It was by the revelation that God gave them, which faith is a revelation, that God gave them this faith that they could hold on to his word. By that and by that alone they obtained a good report. As the scripture also says in, in, in earlier on, it says that Abraham believed God. 
and it was counted to him for righteousness. That was his faith that he believed the words that God had told him and God counted that to him for righteousness. And in that he also gave him a sign of circumcision. But now if you jump down with me to verse 31, we'll just start there and it says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had Receive the spies with peace. Now I want to just make notice of one thing here, and that is tonight we're not going to take an incredibly deep service for a Wednesday night. I hope that's okay. Amen. I got a few head nods, so I hope there was a few more head nods on the, on the screen. But uh, we'll just trust in the Lord to see what he would speak tonight. But I want to stop on that verse in verse 31 that Rahab the harlot, it lists her now as Rahab the harlot. I find that phenomenal in this scripture. It doesn't talk about Rahab the wife of, uh, of, of Salmon and, and Rahab she was one of her and Salmon were the ones that actually founded the city of Bethlehem in which Jesus was born and she was part of the lineage of the Lord Jesus but now in all of these things, it says Rahab the harlot. It was what she was known as when she stood and she had to stand alone with God when she was known as a harlot. But it says, by faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received in other words, there was a reception. There was something she did. James would say that Rahab was justified by her works, that she was saved by her works, that that was what it was. And in proving that, 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 uh, that to show me your faith by your works, that it showed that Rahab had faith. Here Paul writes, by faith Rahab, and James writes, Rahab, by works. But now it's, it's the same thing that he's saying that she did something because she received something from God. It wasn't, there wasn't any man that brought something to her. It wasn't happen chance that the two spies found her house and said, well, they just came to her house and they just came there. No, she was looking for something greater in her life. She was looking for something. And as, as I believe Brother Branham would detail the story, she'd heard about the Israelites. It wasn't just someone she'd ran into at the market, but she'd heard about the Israelites. She'd heard that there was an army coming. She knew that they were there. She knew what was going on. She knew what was happening. And when she recognized these two men, she took them into her house and she received them. And she didn't just receive them in a way of saying, these are just some man and I'll just do something and I'm just here to buck the system, so to speak, and you know, because they're going to come search for him. And she hid them up on her roof in the hay and she hid them up there. But then we find it wasn't about that for her. She wanted to receive something in return because she knew something was going to happen. She wanted to promise from God that she could somehow be saved in all of the, 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 the destruction that was going to come. And when she received the two spies, she was receiving faith and revelation of the coming destruction and the subsequent salvation. Because it was the spies that began to tell her, this is what's going to happen. We're coming to take over. We're spying out the land. And she began to say, give me something. What can I do? Well, how can I be saved? What about me? And they gave her the same cord, the scarlet cord, that they let the, she let the spies down through the window and down uh, off, off the wall and said, go this way. They said, bind this cord. Keep it in your window. Keep it as a token. This is what I'm giving you. This is what I have for you. Had she took in that cord and just hid it in the closet, it wouldn't have meant anything. But she took it and she put it on display. We know the scripture and how she put it there. She bound it in the window and she gathered everyone that would come into her house. She gathered them all together, as many as she could. And Brother Branham would even talk about another woman in the Bible talking about the Gentiles and he would talk about another woman, and he talks about this woman was a Gentile woman, a Seraphonician, I believe she was. She was a Gentile that came to Jesus asking for healing and asking for all of these things, but he would not respond to her when she began to call her son of David, call him son of David. But he said that, you know, is it meat to cast the children's bread to the dogs? You know the, the, the story I'm talking about. And now he says this woman, she came, Brother Branham says she came just like Rahab. 
Rahab, that Gentile woman, she didn't want to see how Joshua wore his clothes. She said, I've heard and I believe. It was that simple. That's all she heard and she believed. Jesus said, for this saying, the woman that just would, would, would then just said, okay, but even the dogs eat the crumbs. Lord, if you'll just give me a crumb, if you'll just give me something, that will be enough. If you'll just say one word to me, if you'll just speak one word, if you'll just give me one thing. They didn't give Rahab a lot of confidence. They just gave her, said, just bind this card. This is your token. This is your salvation. This is all that I'm giving you is a rope that you let us down by. Put the cord there. But she said, I believe. It was her faith that saved her. Amen. And Jesus said for this saying, see, she had the right approach to the gift of God. Remember, she was, the Seraphonician was the first woman, first Gentile that a miracle was ever performed on because of her faith. Faith admits the word of God is right and humbles itself, same as it does today. Faith admits the word of God is right. Amen. Let's continue on in Hebrews chapter 11 for a moment. It says this in the next verse, in verse 32. It says, what shall I say, what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David and Samuel and of the prophets. And I could just take these men, if you back up to verse 32, I could just take these men. I just want to point out some things. Forgive me if it takes a bit of a negative turn, but it's for a purpose. And Gideon was a man that needed four definite evidences before going. He received an angel. He received two fleeces. He then had to go down after he got his army, had to go down to the camp and have a, a dream that he overheard the dream being told and said, that's nothing but the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Gideon, when the angel approached him, said, thou mighty man of valor. And perhaps to the human eye, they would look at Gideon and say, he wasn't much of a man of valor, hiding in a winepress threshing grain. And even after that, he'd received an angel and a definite sign from God showing that this was an angel and he consumed his, his, his meal offering there and, he, and, and all of these things. And he still said, well, now give me a fleece. And now give me another fleece because maybe scientifically the first fleece could have worked out that way anyways. That the fleece would have absorbed the water and the ground would have been dry. So let's do it the reverse way. So God did it for him the reverse way. And he began to gather together and he, and he cast down his father's idols and all of these things. In other words, he was, a, he was just a human. I want to make this clear tonight. If you hope it's, it's, it's clear with us. Gideon was just a human. He was just a man that God called. It said, you're a mighty man of valor. Barak in the same verse, it says, I speak of Barak. Barak was a man in the book of Judges. He wouldn't go without Deborah. Deborah was the, was the, pro, was the prophetess that was there. And, and she called Barak. And Barak said, I'm not going unless you're going to come with me. He said, okay, I'll go with you, but it won't be for your glory. It'll be your, but rather the glory will be given to another woman. And it was Jael that killed Sisera, the general of the enemy, by driving a stake through his head into the, into the ground. But now in all of those things, still and comes down into Hebrews, Paul begins to write about the heroes of faith, and he puts down the name of Barak. He said, well, how, how is that a man of great faith? It's not like he stood up and just got all up in big muscles and got up there and said, yeah, I got this where the Lord came to a prophetess and I'm going to go out and I'm going to take the enemy. No, he said, no, I'm not going unless you're with me because I see God's with you and I'm not so sure about me, so you better come with me and we'll go together. Right? He was just a man. And now you can even take the next one and of Samson. Samson was a man that gave his strength to God, but gave his heart to women. And he did, and in the end, it cost him so much, and he ended up treading the grain and the corn for the, for the, the Philistines. But even in all of that, he still went back to God and said, just once more, Lord, just once more, let me die with my enemies. Let me be a testimony one more time. 
See, God wasn't looking just at the, the fallibility of the man. He was looking for something else in that man. Yeah. I'm going to for the sake of tonight because it's actually, uh, my thoughts have been revolving around Jephthah and I, I'm going to leave him for another night because my, there, there's a whole other service. But it also says, and of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, you could take David. David was a man that committed adultery and had someone killed. He was a man. And I'll say it this way, he paid for that. He cost him this, his firstborn son with Bathsheba. And he had to, he repented, I believe it was seven days, with sackcloth and ashes on his faith before God. Till finally God was able to forgive him. And he wrote some of the most beautiful psalms where he began to write, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. What was it proving? The fallible part of God's servant. That he was just a man. And to be fallible means that you're prone to making a mistake. And even Samuel, the great prophet that he was, and that he was called from such a young boy, and he heard the voice of God crying out, Samuel, Samuel. And he finally answered out after thinking it was Eli. He said, Lord, speak, thy servant heareth. And finally, and then God began to use Samuel from that day forward. But in all of that, Samuel raised two sons that didn't serve the Lord. It showed that he was fallible. Say, well, did that mar the life of Samuel? No, not for a moment. God made sure that in the heroes of faith, Samuel was mentioned. Why? Because God wasn't looking at the man he remembers, as David writes in the Psalms. He remembers that we are but dirt, but dust. He remembers that we're human. He remembers that we are fallible. Each one of these men, they're human. They're full of mistakes. But God never looked at the fallibility of man. He looked for those who would yield themselves to the infallibility of his word. Amen. You could talk about Elijah in the Bible who Elijah, after he'd go and make a great prophecy and proclamation, run out into the wilderness. And then he'd come back and God would, would, would rain fire down from heaven on Mount Carmel and he'd run out into the wilderness scared for his life. Why? Because he was a fallible man. But God wasn't so interested in the fallibility of the man. He was looking for a man who was not interested in the emotion of the earthquake and the whirlwind and all of the fire and the things that followed wherever God went. Catch this in the scripture. We could turn to it. It's in 1 Kings chapter 18, I believe it is. But we're, 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 the scripture we talked about it last time, so I won't turn to it. But we find that it was, says, as the Lord passed by, there was an earthquake, and there was fire, and there was a whirlwind, and all these things. What was it? Where the Lord goes, Brother Brandon would say, there's a lot of commotion. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of things going on. But God's not looking for that fallible part of it where we're looking to say, are we caught up in the emotion of something are we caught up in in the great commotion where we just feel like oh everyone's doing it so it must be the right thing everybody's shouting so I better shout or are we waiting to hear the voice of the Lord because I wanted my subject tonight is the infallible voice in a fallible people the infallible voice in a fallible people all through time, Brother Branham would take it and say he's looking for one man. If God could get one man, he could turn a city upside down. He could turn a country upside down. He could do anything with just one man that will be completely surrendered. God's looking for a man who will listen to the voice. All of those, all those that, that are of the truth will hear my voice is what he said when Jesus stood before Pilate. It just was so phenomenal to me. As I was preaching the last time, I was thinking about it. Here's Pilate standing before the very one that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and turns right around and asks the question, what is truth? Oh, if we don't see that so much today where you got people that are looking for truth and staring it right in the face and refusing to see it because it's only by revelation. They that are of the truth will hear my voice. Brother Branham says in the message, the power of transformation, he says, now, we're not a perfect people. We make our mistakes. We do things that's wrong. But you see, love covers all of that. 
We're willing when we see our mistakes to come back and apologize to one another. Yeah, that's warriors, he says. That's real men and women that's gallant. My, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like the, the world at least has, a, has an ideology of, of a perfect person or, or a gallant, a real warrior as one that doesn't make a mistake or one that is so strong they could just overcome their mistakes. Here, Brother Branham says, it's one that's willing to go back and apologize for his mistakes. One that's willing and able to go back and say, I'm sorry, and willing to go back before the Lord on his knees and repent. That's what made David such a hero of faith, not because he was able to stand up and say, I've never done anything wrong, but because he said, Lord, I was wrong, and I'm sorry, created me a clean heart. Make me new again, Lord. Don't let me walk in this way. He said, that's a real man. Any man could go out on the battlefield that's got nerve enough to walk out there. But when he's knocked down, then get up and try it again. See, that's a real warrior. Amen. One that will get knocked down but doesn't stay down. Gets back up and tries it again. Hallelujah. You know, there's men today that will do things for a lot of money. You got boxers, for example. They will get knocked down over and over again, and they'll get back up again because there's a lot of money, popularity at stake. There's a lot of prize on the line that they think it's worth it to get knocked down and get back up again. Get knocked down, get back up again. Try it over and over for what? For earthly possessions. But I say unto you, what about for a heavenly kingdom? Are we willing to get back up again every time the kingdom, the, the kingdom of darkness knocks you down and knocks you down and this devil? Oh my, we were reading last night in the message. The devil has a right to know your punch. To know your weak spot, to know your weaknesses, you got to keep that covered. You got to make sure that you're keeping your weakness covered. We all have a weakness, and we're the ones that know that weakness the best because it's the thing we keep falling about over and over and over again. But we need to stay under the blood. Oh, praise be to God. Rahab had a weakness, Rahab was a harlot. She had a weakness to be a street walker, to go out on the street. But she was told, stay in your house and stay under the token and you will be saved. She had to keep her weakness covered. Oh, praise be to God. He said, that's real carnal, but that's the truth. Second Corinthians, Sister Ruth, chapter 12. Second Corinthians, chapter 12. Verse 9 says it this way. Paul writes to the Corinthians and says in verse 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. He begins to talk about his weakness and his eyes and things, and begin to pray for the Lord thrice, that it would depart from him. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Think about this. Here's Paul begins to write. Here's a man that has a real weakness. A physical uh, infirmity that he has blindness in his eyes, which happened to be that the Lord gave it to him. Because the Lord appeared to him in a pillar of fire, and that's what caused him to go blind. And all this, he, he was prayed for, and he could see again. But as his eyes would get dim when he get tired, he said, Lord, take these things away from me. Take these things away from me. But God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Oh, my Think about this. Why did Paul have to get struck down the road to Damascus? He was on his way to do some terrible things. 
He was on his way to persecute the church of Damascus. He was on his way to arrest believers in the Lord Jesus. And he had done this many times before and he'd ascended to the death of Stephen. He'd done all of these things and all of this, this, his trouble with his eyes was a reminder of how God had to get his attention in the first place. But it's God reminding him every time his eyes would bother him that you're saved by grace, not by your own merit. You're saved by grace and my grace is sufficient for thee. Hallelujah. The fact that we are fallible in our own selves. We're prone to make mistakes. We're prone to fall. We're prone to have weaknesses in these things. But God put that there for a reason so that he could point to us and say, see, it's by my grace that you're saved. Hallelujah. Oh my, even Joseph, a man that lived such a perfect life, but he was still born in sin. And in the end of it all, he didn't say, I'm good. I've lived a great life. I've lived a perfect life. No, he said, don't leave my bones here. Because I need the grace of God. I need the word of God to be fulfilled, that I need to be buried in a certain land. Because that's where the resurrection is. Praise be to God. He couldn't go outside the word, the infallible word of God. Oh, my. And he says in verse 10, Therefore, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, in necessities and persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. My, what, a, what a scripture. I'll take pleasure. How many of us think think those things on a daily basis? My hands are down. I'll take pleasure in infirmities. No, I don't think that on a daily basis. But maybe I ought to think that on a daily basis. Lord, thank you for my trust. Thank you for the infirmities. Thank you for the persecutions. Thank you for when they take your name in vain and it hurts me so bad. See, really, that's the way you should look at it? Perhaps you take it so, God. That there's something in me, it's a proof that there's something in me that just hurts when someone would speak ill of the name of the Lord. Amen. Oh my. For when I am weak, then am I strong. I love the way he says that. As my title is, the infallible voice in a fallible people. It doesn't say, for when I am weak, then he is strong. It says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Oh, my. Lord, help me. Let's, let's take a quote. We'll come right back to that. The, the word infallible is, is the quality of being incapable of an error or mistake. But the Brown says in the Church Age book, he says, make no mistake about it. We have the infallible word of God. In other words, this word is incapable of being an error. It's incapable of having a mistake in it. Wouldn't that be amazing? But he says this, and no man dares take from it or add to it. But we need the same spirit that gave it to teach it to us. Oh, how we need revelation by the spirit. We don't need a new Bible. We don't need a new translation. He says, there's some are very good. He says, but I'm not against them. But we need the revelation of the Spirit. And thank God we can have what we need. Hallelujah. For God wants to reveal his word to us by his Spirit. May God begin by his spirit to give us continuous life-giving and prevailing revelation. Oh, if the church could only get a fresh revelation and become it by the living word manifested, we would do the greater works and glorify God our Father in heaven. Now, what is he beginning to, to express it, to describe? He says, this word, this word that we've received, the revelation that's given now through the seventh angel messenger, he's talking about it saying, this is the revelation of the word of God, which is the infallible word of God, and no man dares to it, no man dares take away from it. You can't add to the word, you can't take away from it. The, the scripture says in Revelation, your name shall be taken out of the book of life if you do such a thing. But it says, but we need the same spirit then. 
that gave the word, as the scripture says, man of all moved by the Holy Ghost, wrote the scriptures. Amen. They wrote the scriptures by what? By the Spirit of God. They gave the scripture by the Spirit of God. Paul, who went and spent two years, in the, I believe it was two years, in the desert of Arabia, and then he was down there doing what? Receiving the scripture by the Spirit of God so that he could pen it down and write it down, not of his own merit, not of his own will, but that it would be God speaking directly to generations to come and ages to come. But he says what we need is a revelation. So in other words, what we need is faith of the Spirit. Because faith is a revelation, so we need the faith in the Word of God that this Word is, in fact, infallible. I'm going to go back one more time to Rahab. Where Rahab now, what was she had? She had to have a faith that that cord, that the token of that cord was incapable of a mistake. That that cord was, in fact, all of the walls were going to crumble but her house. That's not an awful lot to stand on. But she believed. She had faith. She had a revelation that that was the truth. He says, but when I am weak, then am I strong. For when I am weak, when I am weak as we are in ourselves, we are a triune being. This is a lot to bring out in about 10 minutes. <laughs> but we are a triune being. In other words, we have a flesh, we have a spirit, we have a soul. And in all these things, we can become weak, and we can become weak in the flesh. And we can become tired and we can become worn out and our senses dulled and all these things. We can become weak in the spirit even. Where in the spirit we're unwilling to go on. But then there's something down in the soul. When a man is born of the spirit of God. If you jump with me all the way down to John chapter 3 where Jesus begins to speak to Nicodemus. He says, except a man be born again. He cannot see and he cannot understand the kingdom of God. And when this happens, he says, listen. I happened to watch a dramatization the other day where he was talking to Nicodemus and it was like he was sitting on a rooftop and all of a sudden the wind began to blow and he just turns to Nicodemus and says, shh, 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 listen. Do you hear that? He says, what do you hear? Nicodemus says, oh, the wind? Like, it's just the wind. He says, yeah. He says, that's what it's like when you're born to the Spirit. Do you know where the wind came from? No. But you hear it. You hear the evidence that it's there, but you don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's going. So is one that's born to the Spirit of God. The evidence is there that they have the Spirit within them, but you don't know where it came from. You know not where they're going. You know not where it's going to lead them next or where it's going to take them. But there's something in them that just keeps going and going and going and going. Go ahead, try and stop the wind. Let me know how it works for you. But he says, it's like that with one that's born of the Spirit. When I am weak, then I am strong. When I've got nothing left to give, when I've got nothing left of my own self, that I can't say that uh, I could do this, I could go on, I understand it. No, when I say, Lord, I'm at the edge. I don't know where else to go. I throw on your word the best I can. It's in your hands, Lord. Then I'm strong. Why? Because the real you in the soul begins to take over and it begins to bring the spirit and the flesh subject down now to the, to, the, to the soul which is the real you. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Hallelujah. It says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, it says, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not, 
know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. In other words, what's happening? There's something on the inside man that when the, when the outside man and the Spirit that's in you begins to fail, doesn't even know how to pray. There's something in our born-again Son of God that begins to cry out on its own, begins to make intercession and help even your infirmities. Yeah. Hallelujah. He says, Brother Brown says, then God's provided a place of worship. He says, there's so many infallible proofs that Jesus is the place. He's the gate. He's the name. He's the only provided way that God has for men to meet in worship. He's the way, the truth, the life, the gate, the door, the Alpha, Omega, the beginning, the end, the rose, the Sharon, the lily, the valley, the morning star, the Alpha, Omega. He, all he is. All. And the whole thing put together, he's the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now that sounds absolutely amazing, and it absolutely is. But the next sentence, he says, were we in there? Were we in there? Our sons and daughters of God in God's Godhead. In other words, it sounds like my, that's the infallibility of God. That he begins to describe, he's the gate. He's the way, he's the truth, the life, the gate, the door, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the ending, the rose, the the lily, the valley, the morning star, the alpha, the omega. He is all in all, the whole thing, the root, the offspring. He's all these things. He's the infallible God. But in that, he says, but there's sons of daughters of God in there. In God's Godhead. Yes, as sons and daughters were in the family, you're in there. Oh my, that is no longer my strength, but it's an infallible God indwelling the fallibility of my flesh. Let me give you one more. He says, therefore, all of us are born of sexual desire. The blood in us or sinful blood through a perverted way of bringing children to the earth. God just spoke. Adam come forth. So the woman was not in the original creation. She's a byproduct of God. He taken from his side a rib, Adam in spirit, both male and female, both feminine and masculine, and God separated them, the masculine from the feminine, put the feminine in the woman, put the masculine in the man, and see both body and spirit, they are one. That's the reason when Sarah laughed at the angel and she said she couldn't be like that, God would have slain that woman right there. But he couldn't hurt her because she was part of Abraham. He'd hurt Abraham if he took Sarah. He says that's the reason our sins today would be everyone condemned. But God can't take us because if he does it, he hurts Christ. Because we're part of him. We're the bride. Don't you see it? So there it is. So grace holds us in our mistakes until we can see better. Oh, I'm so thankful for that. Think about it. Here we are as the bride of Christ, fallible human beings, prone to making mistakes. Yet we are a part of Jesus Christ. That he cannot remove us from the picture because by doing that he would hurt Christ. Praise be to God that we're a part of him. That he can't take us away without taking out God, Christ. Oh, and he says, see what it is. It's grace holds us in our mistakes. That even when we keep falling and we got weaknesses and we make mistake after mistake after mistake, it's his grace that's extended out. Oh, my. What a time to live of unmerited grace. So we'll be. Upon the bride. And so is it on the bride. We unworthy creatures deserve to go to hell. But his grace holds us through it. Look at how many lost and blind. How many, how many sinners was in the world the hour that I got saved. God saved me for a purpose. And I'm determined by his will to do that purpose. I don't care what anything else goes. I want to do it. Oh, I think, Lord, help me to be like that. Lord, you called me for a purpose. How many men, how many boys were born into worldly families, broken up homes, split up places, terrible homes, but God put me in a home with a loving, believing father and a mother 
God did these things for me. He called me. Even though I was born in that home, I had to be saved. I had to get my own experience. I had to get the new birth. But he did that even in those moments. How many sinners were there? He did it for a purpose because his word is infallible. He does not make a mistake. Think about it. When God chose you, he did not make a mistake. He did it for a purpose. Hallelujah. The very next chapter or verse in Romans chapter 8 verse 27 says, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Catch that. Not according to our fallible will. Not according to how we think what to be, but according to his will. The infallibility of God. Now watch the will of God as I'm trying to close. It says his will is always to perform his word. He doesn't change that. He's not going to try and walk outside of his word. His will is to perform his word, to bring it to pass. I was thinking about different men in the Bible talking. I believe Brother John this afternoon. Different men in the Bible. The Bible says thou shalt not kill. And here comes a man named Joab. He killed many, many, many people. A part of the will of God. Fighting the enemies of Israel. As he was told and commanded to do. But under the wrong anointing he slew Abner. And God wouldn't let that go unpunished. Why? He stepped outside the will of God. You say, but he killed before and now he's just killing again. What's the difference? He stepped outside of God's will. Outside of the leadership of the Spirit of God. David even was a man. God said, you're a man. You got, you got blood on your sword. You got blood on your hands. This is, I can't let you build my temple. David slew many men. But for those, he didn't, he didn't receive uh, um, uh, the prophet coming to him and saying uh, parables to him about sheep and things. No, but when he killed one man outside of the will of God, when it became murder, he killed Uriah the Hittite because of the wrong spirit. What was it? A spirit of lust. When he got outside of that, Saul even slew many. You could re- completely reverse it. Saul slew many people. And he followed the will of God through many things. He won many mighty battles. And Samuel would give him the will of the Lord. He'd go out and do it. But one day he came back and he did not kill Amalek, the king of the Amalekites. He didn't kill him. But because he didn't slay him according to the word of the Lord, it did not go unpunished. Why? Because God's looking for those that would hear the voice. Those that would listen to his voice and heed to his word and do the infallible word of God instead of looking to their own fallibility and their own human compassion and saying, well, I feel like this is what I should do. If the word of God says do it, do it. If it says don't do it, don't do it. It's the infallible word, not our own thoughts. Why? Because God's not interested in the fallibility of the people. To try and say, oh, well, 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 so-and-so, he's a really nice guy. He's a really fine man, and he felt it was the right thing. Saul could have said that. He tried to claim those things over and over to Samuel when he came back to Samuel and said, but the people, they, they didn't want to kill the best of the oxen. They didn't want to kill the best of the sheep. They wanted to sacrifice it. We thought it would be good for this, and we brought him back so that we could do all these things. He thought in his own human reasoning, what was he dwelling in? In his own self. He thought he was strong. But when I am weak, then I, really me, am strong. He was dwelling in his own spirit instead of following the spirit of the Lord, which said, kill it all. But now, under the blood of Jesus, where remissions of sins and unmerited grace and forgiveness of iniquity is free and bountiful, Seems like you just do anything you want. That's the way the Calvinists take it. They can just take it any way they want. They can do anything because I just repent of it. He forgives me. I live anyway. No, but it is also under that same covenant, there's a nature change. So that you no longer have the desire to do those things. If you jump down in Hebrews, go back to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll close with this. Hebrews chapter 11. That's why it didn't look right. That was Corinthians chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33. And it says, who through faith, they did what? They subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. 
They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. My God not looking at the strength of the individual, but looking at their ability to hear the voice. They vaxed valiant in fight. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens. So far, that sounds pretty good. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured. Now it doesn't sound so good. Not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had, others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they were wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Look at what God's, what Brother Paul is describing here. He's describing by the Holy Spirit saying, listen, it wasn't pretty. On the outside, there was times that were glorious. They were put to flight the armies of the enemies. And there was times where they were wandering about in nothing more than a sheepskin and a goatskin, destitute, alone, terrified. But they had faith in the word of God. And God looked at that and said, they're willing to follow my voice wherever it takes them. That's a hero. The Bible even says, of whom the world is not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us. What kind of a better thing? A nature change. That the atonement had been slain. That we could lay that old man completely down. Oh, thank God. It's not that we live in a better age. That we live in a, a more comfy time. No, no, no. Those are just other temptations of the devil that begin to tempt the flesh and begin to make it soft and cushy and all these things. But no, it's something better that we could really have it, the voice of infallibility within you, the individual. They without us should not be made perfect. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. There's a voice that speaks, as Hebrews chapter 12 would point out. So see, you refuse not him that speaketh. For if ye escaped not who speaketh him that spake on earth, how much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven? Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying yet once more, I shake not only the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifying the removing of things that are shaken, as of things that are made, and those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore we have re we receiving, wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. It's not a going out and just doing anything we want, but no, it's we've received something from Him. A life, a change, a nature change. So that it's no longer uh, me trying to do something on my own, but when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because I've been made one with Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother John, if you would come. You have a song on your heart. Sounds good. Take these hands. Lift them up, Lord. I don't have enough strength, but there's something in me that can't help it. There's a spirit in me. Appreciate it, brother. I was preaching Sunday morning and just, you know, he said I was in prayer and I just couldn't help. I just had to worship the Lord. What is it? It's something in me that just begins to cry out. It's not me. It's something in me. It just can't help it. It's an infallible God dwelling in a fallible people. Thank you, Lord. Take these hands and lift them up. Not the strength to praise you need enough, for I have nothing. Ooh. 
I have nothing without you. Take my voice and pour it out. Let it sing the songs of mercy I have found. For I have nothing. Oh, I have nothing without. Oh, my soul needs is all your love. Just cover me, Lord. To cover me, Lord. sing this next verse I wonder if we just bow our heads together each one here each one on the streaming just think about these words even as you're just looking to the Lord and say take my body it's just an outer tabernacle build it up for what purpose so that it could be a sacrifice to him So it could be broken as an offering of love. Take my time. Don't let it be used with everything else. But Lord, let it glorify you. We've got weaknesses. You know your weakness. You know where you're at. You know the punch that you need to keep covered. Maybe if you just want to slip your hand up to the Lord and say, Lord, help me. Help me to keep this covered. Help me, Lord, in my dark time. Help me when I'm alone. Help me when the devil would attack me and bring temptations and try and do things. Lord, would you come? Let it not be my strength, Lord. Let me be weak that you could be strong in me, Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, both my hands are raised. Lord, you know my own weaknesses, Lord. Father, we are but fallible human beings, Lord, that we are prone to mistakes, we're prone to fall, but Lord, your grace is sufficient for us. Lord, there's still mercy, oh God, while the blood is on the mercy seat. While you sit on the mercy seat, Lord, there's still mercy. Lord, I thank you, oh God, that you still care, that we could still cast all our cares on you, Lord, that you didn't call us to leave us. You didn't just teach us to swim, to let us drown, as the song says. Lord Jesus, you called us out for a purpose of all the sinners and all the perverse people. You chose us, Lord. I don't know why, Lord. There's many times I look at it, Father, and I say, oh God, I'm not worthy. But Lord, you don't make a mistake. And I thank you that I can rely on your word. Lord, let it be a comfort to everyone under the sound of my voice. That Lord, you will carry us by your grace through our mistakes till we learn better. Father, that your spirit would give us revelation that we would know better. Lord, we love you. We commit each one to you, Lord. Strengthen us as the days go on. Lord, don't let us be destitute, Father. Lord, as we're stuck in our homes and doing different things, Lord, but Father, I pray, oh God, that you would be with each one very near. In their weakest hour, be their strength, Lord. Father, we commit each one to you now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Take my body and build it up. May it be broken as an offering of love. For I have nothing. I have nothing without you. 